Namaste again. I have Joel Finkelstein with me and you've been watching this mini-series of his work, his organization's work in looking at the deep, the dark web and looking at the social media, all kinds of social media to look, find trends, to find cause-effect relationships. Who causes these social media outbursts? What's behind it? Who's behind it? What are the memes? What, why are they there? What are they trying to achieve? The misinformation that's there and what's the impact it's creating both on the social media and also off the social media physically. Violence against physical places, physical people, all of that. So this cause-effect, cause-effect is what they're, they're tracking using artificial intelligence and all kinds of data analysis, natural language processing. So now in this episode, we're going to talk about the Khalistan movement. Yes. Now that is a very important movement yeah. uh, because you know it's been going on for a long time, but I don't think the authorities in India or many of the people have this level of quantitative information and knowledge that you have uncovered. Yeah. They understand conceptually that you know this is what these guys want, they're misinformed, yeah. but actually there's a lot more to it. So, so basically just to read out, Sikh separatists have created this uh, movement in uh, New York, actually one of their guys is in New York, uh, uh, and, and they are... Uh, in, in, through interconnected social media accounts, some of them bots, some of them uh, based in Pakistan. Yeah. Uh, they have started this whole uh, movement uh, and, and the attacks on Hindu houses of worship, Indian government buildings, etc., etc., are all part of this, part of this syndrome. So, uh, you mentioned here, you mentioned here there is this Six for Justice, SMJ, yeah. uh, founded by this gentleman in 2009 in New York. And, and interestingly, it says that, uh, that even though it's, this is a labeled a terrorist organization in India and banned, uh, it remains active in India even though it's banned. And it's active in the US, Canada, UK, Australia and, and Italy. Yeah. So it remains active. And uh, so it's very interesting uh, that, uh, so tell us about it. Tell us, uh, tell us in your, and then we'll follow through with more specific evidence. Well, the Khalistani separatist movement, I mean, people lose track of this, but before Al-Qaeda, I mean, it was really one of the most notorious, you know, uh, terrorist ideologies in the world. It was responsible for the mass killing of Canadian citizens, hijacking planes. I mean, this is a very formidable and uh, storied organization that's taken out, uh, that, or ideology, that has been responsible for the assassination of world leaders. I mean, so it's really a very, you know, it, it has a, a, a depth of history that I certainly wasn't familiar with before encountering the work. Um, so what, what we saw was that, that the Khalistani cause was breaking out into mobilizations all over the world, usually around Indian embassies, um, and especially as tensions mounted in Punjab. And that these mobilizations were taking place in England, here in the United States, in Canada, and Australia, and various other places. And as the mobilizations were taking place, there were accompanying hooliganisms, some murders associated with the, with, and vandalisms associated with the attacks, but also vandalisms that were targeting Hindu houses of worship and consulates uh, and embassies as well. So a lot of it was starting to, was, was starting to look quite, uh, quite targeted. Now, as, as we, we saw evidence of, of uh, this hooliganism and the vandalism of houses of worship, we noticed that there was an online network that was celebrating that hooliganism and celebrating the, the, the attacks. And not only were they celebrating the attacks and showing kind of the evidence of how they desecrated a Hindu temple and said that like, you know, this will show these Hindutva people, whatever. As they're attacking the houses and celebrating it, 
They're also the appear to be the network that was organizing the flyers for these events, giving information about where they would take place, and pumping up the volume of the events. Now, we, we saw as we began investigating this network, there were a few things that were notable about this. The first, the, the network did not appear to be driven by humans. Okay. Okay, so the, the network was appeared to be driven largely by automated uh, and highly redundant scripts that they were sharing in punctuated ways, like 200 or 300 of them all at once. And then all of a sudden, it would, the signal would go quiet. Now, I don't know any 200 or 300 people in the world who act that way. So my guess is that's a computer. You know, and, and they would do this for each event, and the, they would get more excited around the time of the event. So you could really see a kind of a pulse of this activity that was highly synchronized. When we looked at the accounts, we found that they were talking mostly to each other and also towards major media figures and seeking to gain attention, but they were highly, highly interconnected and coordinated in their activity, which appeared inauthentic. This is called inauthentic coordinated activity. And it's creating causes where there, there may be some, but, the, but you, you can really fall back on these automated algorithms to mindlessly drive humans. And, and we noted that, that these accounts, in addition to calling for these mobilizations, which would reliably take place, where defacements would occur, that they would reliably celebrate, right? In addition to all of that, they were, there were threats within this community for grenade attacks, for bombs, calls mm -hmm. for incitement. I mean, this was, this was a very uh, kind of increasingly hot-tempered you know, phenomenon. So it's a very interesting figure one on page five of your report mm -hmm. gives a list of uh, a whole lot of these uh, these uh, attacks that have happened on embassies, vandalisms, houses of worship that these guys celebrate. Absolutely. And they, they sometimes take credit for it, but in any case, they celebrate and they're calling for more and more of this. Mm -hmm. And a very interesting thing that I should tell our people is there is a man who's in the news recently who's just been arrested, uh, I think, a few days ago, uh, 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 this Am Amritpal Singh. Uh, he's a he's a Khalistani uh, terrorist that the that uh, was in the jail somewhere and then he was freed by his supporters and now then he was running around and uh, uh, now he's been recently arrested again so this is freedom rally for him for his freedom for his release uh, Saturday 25th March 12 noon to 2 p.m. Indian Embassy uh, you know in in Houston uh, 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 Toronto uh, uh, and in Australia. So, so this is a global, a global movement to free this terrorist uh, by having people go in front of Indian embassies in different countries. Yes, it's pretty organized. Yes, I mean it's pretty organized. It's it's remarkable. Now, the thing that that was most alarming about this was that in our analysis, we discovered that these bot accounts met, and these these troll like accounts. It's sometimes hard to tell the difference between a troll and a bot. A troll is a human being who's acting in an in, in, in authentic fashion. A bot is a machine doing the same thing. It's very distinct, very difficult to make the distinction. We noted that many of the accounts that were participating in this network appeared to describe their location as being from Pakistan. Okay, so that that suggests that these were that these were Khalistani advocates mm -hmm. that were living in Pakistan, or the Pakistani government used them as useful idiots to do their work. It's possible that that's true, but they seem to support very specific Pakistani causes. And that suggests the, the involvement of a self-identified network of, of Pakistani accounts playing a heavy role in the ideology and the distribution of this is very suggestive. If Pakistan as a state and is as a state actor is, is actually putting its thumb on the scale mm -hmm. in order to drive this activity, 
it wouldn't necessarily be shocking because the the, uh, the 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 strategic reach of the network in being able to terrorize Indian consulates, to defame Hindus in India, to, to terrorize Hindus as a vulnerable community, that all fits a set of geostrategic mm. um, you know, priorities that would that as a state actor Pakistan possesses. Mm. So it's it's certainly intriguing. It's not conclusive. You can't so, say that. So this is, I think, very noteworthy discovery that a large number of the large percent of these uh, Khalistani bots and internet presence and social media presence can be traced back to accounts in Pakistan. And this is precisely the concern about the social cyber domain. Here you have a, an issue with certainly many people care about, but far more of a signal for inciting activity on that issue in the social cyber domain that is being done in ways that are covert. The inauthentic covert manipulation of hot sentiment is something that state actors can use in order to incite and inflict violence on vulnerable communities. And it's a way in which the social cyber domain can become a manifest space for, for, for the persecution of innocent people. So here I will uh, take a little pause and, and give you my uh, a proposal I've had for a long time mm -hmm. and tell, <laughs> so to, to get your impression, your idea. You know, in, the, in, in India, uh, every mobile phone, every cell phone connection uh, has to be validated in terms of who the person, who's the owner of it. Mm -hmm. You have to go to the register with mm -hmm. the home ministry. Mm -hmm. It just takes very few hours. You just go with your phone, with your face, your passport number or your driver's wow. license. Some identity. There is no anonymous. It's a huge advantage to some extent. There is 800 billion phones more than anywhere wow. else in the world and they're all registered. Huh. So this is in the banking industry, it's called KYC, know your customer. Yes, yes. You cannot go and open a bank account anonymously. Yeah. They must know who the hell you are. Yes. This is, so I proposed, and nobody has accepted this idea, but I proposed that you should make a law that says all social media accounts should have that's KYC. Right. I totally think that's true. Huh? I, I think that's very smart. I don't think that all of them if, should. If you, if you were to require KYC for social media, like you do for banks and like you do for cell phones, then there'll be no anonymous, then everybody will be identified. The government will have a record of who this person is. And, and of course, the social media companies will lose revenue because a large part of their traffic is anonymous. Well, but then I, it also says that a, 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 legitimate, a legitimate discourse should be allowed. Freedom yeah. of speech is, belongs to people, human beings. Freedom of speech doesn't mean that the freedom to deceive. Uh, in the name of somebody else. So right now you can set up a, you can set up a million bots in some country and make it, yeah. you know, do all that. Yeah. So this would, do you think, I mean, I know this is getting off topic, but it's the sort of brainstorm I want to have with you. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about it. I mean, so, we'll, so we'll, first, talk, we'll discuss it. Yeah. Tell well, me. so, so let's talk about this here. So uh, first of all, I think that's the right idea. That is what you're saying is completely true. And, and you're, 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 you're circling what I think is, is the core, uh, fulcrum to manage the problem. But I think your way of getting there is problematic because, you know, it's like, um, think about, think about this, the ability to write things anonymously is certainly protected speech, right? And if we didn't have that, think about what we wouldn't be able to say, right? So there's a problem because a lot of the most famous penned doctrines that have ever been written have been written anonymously, right? So we don't want to be able to get rid of that. However, when we think about free speech, it's true that, that the conceptions that we had of free speech came from a time when I, if I was talking to you, I know exactly who you are. And, and, and what you're saying is right, that if people can inauthentically impersonate you, which, which AI increasingly can, mm. 
then I should have a right to know that right. I'm being deceived. Right. Otherwise, how is my speech free? It's completely, it's completely trapped in right. ways that, that defy my own agency and capacity. Right. That's not free speech. So what you're suggesting is, I think, that, that what we need is a way of, of ensuring that there is such a thing as a public square where, where authenticity can be guaranteed. And we don't have that, even, even as an option, we don't have that right now. We don't have it. So, you know, banks are required under international law to have this know your customer. Yep. And, and people used to raise hell in the early days that this yep. re removes my freedom of anonymity because people are doing financial transactions and I don't want anyone to know whether I bought this out, whether somebody else bought it or who, what my transactions are. If I'm sending money to somebody, it's my business. Why should... So, but the government said, hey, the misuse of this with the terrorism... And with drug laundry, money laundering is too much, and we have to clamp down. That's and so interesting. I wonder how, how, how has that worked? Uh, every bank has to have an annual verification with the government that each and every account they have on the record identity details about this person. Fascinating. And in many countries, this is not true in the United States, but in many countries, I think it may be true in the United States also. When you want, want to go and get a cell phone, the phone company is required to have on record enough to identify who you are. Yes. You cannot walk into India to a phone uh, 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 store and walk out with a cell phone yeah. without telling them who you are. Yes. So if you are a foreign-based person, you give your passport, you, they take a picture there, yeah. you sign this and that. So this is called know your customer. Yeah. So if you, if you and, and of course, you could argue that this restricts the freedom of speech of people who want to talk anonymously on the phone. Yes. Because now that you know my phone number, where I called from, you know whom I am and where I live and all that, all that stuff. Yeah. So in a sense, it's not restricting my freedom of speech. It's restricting my freedom of anonymity. Yes. They are two different things. No, that's totally right. But, so, the, but so then the problem, have, but the problem with that is that that you can imagine how that can become out of how that can get out of hand. It could be used used to to, to suppress speech. Yes. So that so so the, the 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 proposal that I'm suggesting in terms of the synthesis in our conversation is that right in the middle you have an opt-in network of authentication, where there there is a a desire that people have to be able to express themselves authentically, and this is crucial especially for the management of civic life, and and if you had that, what you'd be able to have is a triangulation network, right? In other words, if if you could have a a civic network where people did have to identify themselves in order to engage in serious conversation about truth-telling. And, and many things would be such that they would only allow such people. Yeah, exactly. Many conversations. Exactly. They, they will not allow others to either listen or to participate because they're troublemakers. For, for, for and here's the benefit of such a network, that if you see something inauthentic happening at a mass scale in some other platform, let's have it out here, shall we? Right. Now we have a place where we can triangulate against what's happening and, and resolve what signals are authentic and, and what they could also be. There could also be a responsible media company or government company that says we will not accept likes or, or retweets from others who are not authenticated. A hundred percent. Right. So that that opt-in network, the ability, the network of choice, a chosen kind of like civic right. network. Right. That I think is something that solves problems because look. There is no replacement for us being involved in putting our hands in the wheel of right. our civic life. That's right. what's missing. Right. And that has to happen in an authentic way. Right. So then the second network will be those who are anonymous, but they're human beings. They have to at least certify that I'm a, not a bot. It's now useful. How do you do that? How, is there a technical way? I think that I think that, I think that problem. So the reason we need an authenticated network where people are identified is because it's going to be impossible to identify people otherwise. And because the, at some point with this GPT stuff, we're almost there. The mouse is going to escape the cat. 
that we're not going to be able, I'm afraid, to do this. The, 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 um, the deep fakes are going to get too good. The chat GPTs are going to get too ideal. And, and we're not going to be able to, to, control, to control that. The mimicry will be too perfect. So the only way we're going to be able to create a network of authentication is if people put in their thumbprint and get an eye scan. Human biometrics. <laughs> Human biometrics that really identify you and, and, and say, this really is who I am, so therefore I get a vote here. Right. And I think everything else is going to have, you're going to have to assume, look, because if we don't have this, this people don't understand how, how quickly this is going to happen. Yes, yes. They don't understand because to them, it, this we're, we sound like we're talking about science fiction, <laughs> right? But to you and I both, I think it's very clear yeah. the need for what people don't understand they need yet is so powerful so that guys, it's going to. This is in the middle of the Khalistan thing, <laughs> but actually, this is a topic I've talked about, and I'm very glad you are. We agree on this. This is a an important issue in its own right. Not just Khalistan, but a million other things happening. Well, what's so cool about Hinduism is that it really has as its basis this idea that we should probably be talking to each other in a non-dual fashion. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> we right. Should probably have conversations. So, so, so back on the Khalistan thing, you said you said here, I want you to elaborate. There are three core themes. Yes. Uh, one is encouraging, celebrating, and taking credit for temple vandalism and harassment. Absolutely. That's one. Number two is advocating violence, grenades, bombings, and threats to cr critical infrastructure. Yeah, that's dangerous. And third is organizing, amplifying real-life mobilizations that result in violence. Yes. So let's go through one by one. Theme number one, I think this is a very interesting uh, thing to, to show uh, because here we have a whole lot of them. Raise Khalistan Zindabad calls to Australian Hindu temples. So they're provoking yeah. that you go to the Hindu temples and provoke them with all this. Yep. Then there are all these three Swaminarayan Mandir and they are they are uh, asking the priest to repeat. They're asking the yeah. priest in the Hindu temple Take a loyalty to oath. repeat pro-Khalistani slogans yep. before or prayer. Else. Or, or else. else. Or else. Yep. So this is this is like really threatening. Yep. So this is then then they're going to uh, the Indian High Commission in the UK. The Khalistani flag has been put in front of the Indian embassy somewhere. Yep. So there is this is theme number one. Yes. This is theme number one, yeah. which is which is basically, uh, uh, you know, as, as you said here, encouraging, celebrating, and taking credit for temple vandalisms and harassment. Yes, and not that these things don't happen; they do. But 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 or people don't feel this way; they they do. But the the covert, inauthentic amplification of these exceeds the sentiments that people really have about it, and that inflames what's happening in the real world. Yeah. So theme number two is. Advocating violence. Now, this is not just, uh, this is grenades, bombings, and threats to critical infrastructure. So, this is like a, a call to action that says, you know, hand grenade bombings of the uh, Republic Day, in, in, which is the national celebration day yeah. in India. Uh, then there is uh, somebody from uh, S SFJ, which we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the Seeks for Justice. Seeks yes. for Social Justice, the, the, that group. Mm -hmm. uh, they've also come out with many bomb threats that you mentioned here. Uh, Delhi uh, and all of this. Calling for Delhi shutdown. You know, Delhi power station. Yeah, power absolutely. Station. That's right. And, and this it's, is becoming a more common theme amongst extremist groups in general is to use the the vulnerability of power and, and power infrastructure to bring you know society most to of needs. it is out in the open it's unprotected. it's unprotected yeah. yeah i mean it relies on the goodwill of people who presumably want society to function so uh, the other way is organizing amplifying real life mobilizations resulting in violence yes so this is where for example this uh, uh amritpal singh yeah. uh, who's jailed called to action yeah. to free him up uh, and therefore riots in front of Indian embassies. Attacks on like, journalists. So we see, yeah, we see attacks on journalists that take place at a lot of these quote-unquote freedom rallies. 
not very free when you're attacking journalists, are you? So, um, so what is this when you say that, that explain this, uh, here's a nice diagram uh, on, on page 13 where uh, there are certain people who are named as targets. Yes. Well, these are key politicians, either in Punjab or in Australia. They're, they're media figures and politicians. And what that shows is that there's, there's a strategic uh, output from this artificial network that is, is, that is seeking to gain publicity by targeting people and calling them out or putting up their, their material on these people's feeds in order to optimize their chances of being seen and influencing public dialogue. Right. So we can see that this is directed as an organization. They're not just talking, they're not just putting this out in the air. They're mentioning very specific people and going after targets they know are going to create the so biggest. Are impact. these people that the, the that the Khalistanis are against and they are pointing them out as targets? Some are allies. Some are people they And they, some of them are allies yes. that they are using as sort of by association credibility. Absolutely. And, and that's, some of some yeah. of them are opponents, but they just pick out people. So and so we want to present as somebody who's supporting us. So-and-so is a bad guy. He's opposing us. And it shows, it show, what it shows you is that the coordinated, inauthentic behaviors of this network are targeted in ways that are very strategic, right? That it's being used as a fulcrum on social media. And that, that this, this graph you're showing here on, on page 14, really what that shows is just how like, it's a sphere of interconnectivity of the accounts. It's very spherical. Right, it's not all over the place where you see some networks here, some no. They are all the, these are the the uh, SFJ and and uh, Sikh activist accounts themselves, and it shows they are very densely interconnected. That is the coordination. That's the coordination. And here you've dissected the origin of these bots. Yes. To Pakistan. That's right. A large, large number of them. many of them. Yep. So this is very interesting, and you know, as with all your other reports, I want uh, uh, viewers to know. The appendices give you uh, details on every on the date, timeline. where it happened. This is a ba BAPS Swaminarayan temple in Toronto. This was defaced. Here is another BAPS temple. Uh, this, is a, this is a Vishnu temple in Melbourne. This is an ISKCON temple somewhere. So each place, what happened? Uh, what are the pro-Khalistani, uh, you know, page after page of detailed analysis That's right. with, with links where you can go and get more research you data. Look for it yourself. And then here is interesting. Uh, they are they are uh, they are uh, attacking and calling for an attack on certain personalities like this is uh, on uh, on Amit Shah. His yeah. picture is here, and they are saying you will face political death. The blood coming down. The word death is really huge. <laughs> yeah, and all this coming down yeah, on them. Very interesting. So this is kind of a threatening, and there is a Khalistan Remembrance Rally, just last month. Uh, uh, you know, in, in Australia. So uh, this is amazing. This kind of a thing is very big. This yeah. is huge. Again, I think that this is, much like the Lester report, there's, there's, a lot of, um, there's a lot of methodology in here that I think will be useful for, for analyzing things, provided Twitter allows researchers back on at some point. <laughs> so when you say tweet, deletion by bots. Yes, yeah, so this is, is a that? strategy. What we see is that there's moderation strategies for managing these bots where you find a bot account and you delete it, what we found was that these bots were blowing right past those moderation strategies and that they would put out really insightful material and we would capture it and then we'd go back minutes later it would be deleted. Right, so what they would do, it's almost like a flash of something like that- hit and run. Hit and run. And don't let and, them catch you. And once, exactly, <laughs> and, and then the moderators don't catch it or if they do catch it, you've already deleted it. So maybe you're self-censoring so they're less likely to, to, to get rid of you. So this shows adaptive reasoning in the face of moderation practices. It's like, it's exactly like with immune evasion. 
right? You, you want to avoid the detection by the immune system. And many of these actors are more than smart enough to do that. And they're going to get a lot of help with AI in the coming years to get even smarter. And here you're showing that some of their pictures are like ah, some very well, innocent. Yes, pretty, they're, pretty, pretty they're very girls. innocent, pretty girls from all <laughs> over the world who are, you know, supporting them, I'm sure. This has been another amazing episode. We'll be back with another episode.